From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Welcome to Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. Believe it or not, tournament time has arrived for basketball and the madness is less than a week away. But before we get to the big dance, the SEC tournament is underway in Nashville and the Gators are returning to Music City with something to prove. On today's show, we'll check in with senior Justin Leon as he reaches the twilight of his short tenure wearing the orange and blue and find out where the team stands entering this critical stretch with FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry. We'll also get the latest on big changes for the women's basketball program from FloridaGators.com senior writer Scott Carter at the end of the show. But first, jaded athletes are so commonplace in major college athletics that it's truly refreshing to showcase individuals that fully understand the remarkable opportunity they've been given. Justin Leon is one of those players with a genuine appreciation for the position he's in, and that's easy to believe considering his humble Juco roots. As he comes to the end of his Gator career, we began our conversation with the Arkansas native by asking him how he ultimately found his role in this program. Every team needs somebody, I guess you could say, like to kind of, you know, get them going. Mm-hmm. That's probably like the number one role or thing that coaches like see or look for in me, like every game for like me to like do something to like just get the team, you know, energy and get them going. Because like sometimes like if like coaches see – They'll, like, point it out, like, if I'm not, like, bringing, you know, enough energy for this to start the game or whatever, like, they'll let me know. So I feel like that's just something nobody would probably, like, even notice, like, watching the game. They're like, I did something to get my other teammates going and which could affect, you know, the whole game. Mm -hmm. You've talked about trying to make your place here, trying to make a name. When you're coming in as a Juco guy, does that put a chip on your shoulder maybe that's helped you get to where you are? Yeah, I guess a little bit because, like, coming in as a Juco, you know, nobody, like, nobody knows you. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's like, well, who is this guy we got, you know, like, oh, or they probably like, he's from a Juco, so he's probably not even going to see the floor mm-hmm. or stuff like that. So I guess, it, yeah, it did because, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily come here to just, like, sit and, and watch. You know, I came here to, like, physically be a part and like do things as well and I just wanted to show everybody that just because you know somebody may come from a juco doesn't mean that you know they can't play on this level so when you come here under those circumstances you have a shortened amount of time to make your impact mm-hmm. you talk about doing what you came here to accomplish what did you ultimately come here to do and, and do you feel like you've done that in your time um I feel like I, I came here to like kind of be a part of something special because you know not a, a lot of people say that you know they was able to suit up in a gator uniform mm-hmm. like really my main like when i got here i was just finding areas like that i could help the team with and like i guess you say find that area then step up my own level at that area because like last year we were struggling you know with three-point mm-hmm. shooting obviously and i think this year like i have like improved you know that category from sure. last year you seem so genuinely excited and humble by the opportunity that you've had right. here and, and I'm, I'm curious along the way, the kind of pinch-me moments that you've had? I mean, do you still have them? Do you still uh, have them today? Yeah, I do. I, especially, I know, like, sometimes I could just, like, sit and, like, kind of just, like, zone off or daydream or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. like, me coming to uh, the University of Florida is my first time ever being in Florida. So, I wow. know. <laughs> right. You never, you never <laughs> no, I never, I've never been here, like, 
because I didn't take a visit here. And just like as soon as I got to school, that was my first time ever touching down in Florida. <laughs> so it's just so I know, especially when I first got here, I was just like, oh man, like looking at all this stuff around and like this is amazing because I'm a warm weather type person, and to be able to wear gym shorts and a t-shirt in December and January is like the greatest thing ever it's to me. Nice, right? <laughs> <laughs> like till this day, I know like like I'll sit. And I was daydreaming and be like, wow, like I really, I'm really like a Florida Gator. And like, it's no, like right pro- now. yeah, it's like right, right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I don't know how many people like grow up wishing that they could, you know, do that. And then it's like, on top of that, I'm playing on TV. Like every game has been broadcasted on TV. And sometimes I think to myself, like, not only is the people in the crowd watching, it's like way more because the game is on TV. And it's like, at that like defining moment, like, a lot of people are tuned in to see what, you know, what we are doing, and mm-hmm. I'm a part of, you know, that. So it's just this is mind-blowing at times. We've talked about your game a little bit and how that's grown. How do you think you've grown personally in your time here? I think I've become, you know, more vocal. Like, I know when I first got here, I was like, I don't think I'm shy, but, like, I'm quiet. I come off, like, as a quiet person. Like, I kind of just, like, you know, just sit and just, you know, watch, you know, everything that happens around me. But I think me coming here, I think I've grown, like, I become more vocal and I'm able to like, you know, say things to people without, you know, feeling like, oh, do I want to say this or, mm-hmm. you know, keeping my thoughts in. Like, I feel like me being here, part of this team and me having to be a, a leader since I'm an older guy that like helped me with vocal skills and being able to communicate better. What teammate do you feel like you've learned the most from since you've been at Florida? I think I learned probably the most from probably uh, Casey because, you know, he's he's been a four year guy here mm-hmm. and just to watch him grow. As a player, because when I was in my juco, I used to watch him all the time. And just watch how he grew from his freshman year to now is, is like, incredible because he's always in the gym. And you can see the difference in how he plays. Mm-hmm. And I picked up on that when I got here because, like, him working hard, I think at times, like, like we're on the floor together, like, him playing hard makes me play harder. And then when I'm playing hard, it makes him play harder. So mm-hmm. Pushing each other. Yeah, right. And I think that's, like, one of the big things that I picked up from him. As a senior, I'm sure you have influence on some guys yourself. So when you think about your relationships and your ties on mm-hmm. this team, where do you think your influence has been the most felt? I think with with Devin, because um, like when I came here, at times like we were like we played like the same position last year, and mm-hmm. like when I'm taking my shots, like this year compared to last year, he's taking them with me, or like or like sometimes like he's telling me now to hey just to come on let's go let's go shoot. I'm like all right come on. <laughs> Compared to last year, like I like I never like think I would have got that from him, and I think like my hard working skills, he realized like what it takes to you know be able to improve. Like you gotta, you know, put more time and more effort, and I think like that has rubbed off on him, and it's been successful for him. You were originally signed with Mike White at Louisiana Tech, and then when he came over here, you followed right. suit. So you're very close to the staff. What do you think you've learned from them the most? How have they changed you? I think they changed me, like, vocally because, like, they knew I was a good guy coming in, and they knew that I was more quiet. So learning things from them is that sometimes, you know, you got to step out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably one of the big things that I picked up. And being, you know, a consistent person, like, every day, like, no matter what, don't change because somebody tell you, oh, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. And I think – like, those two things are, you know, the two things that I picked up on the most is being consistent and, you know, stepping out your comfort zone at times. 
you had a chance to play at Arkansas this year and be a part of a win at Bud Walton Arena. Mm-hmm. What did it mean to you as an <laughs> Arkansas kid to go up there, you got your Florida jersey on, right. and you run in with a win? Uh, it's pretty It's pretty good because, you know, I had a few friends at the game, and friends is like around. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, crack jokes to me. Like, you know, they obviously, like, they're going for Arkansas, but, you know, at the same time they want me to be, you know, be good as well. But, like, they're like, you know, cracking jokes when we talking about, like, I didn't have a chance to win and Arkansas was going to win and all that. So it, it was nice to win there. One thing, because I'm being from there, and I knew if, you know, if we would have lost, I would have never stopped never hearing did. from <laughs> So it was good to, you know, go down there and get a win. Then it, then it kind of shows, like, if we would have lost, it would have made it seem, you know, worse because I, I didn't go there and people were like, mm-hmm. that would have been like, oh, you should have went here, this and that. So it's pretty pretty cool to win. No disrespect to you know, Arkansas. I like, I like no guys on the team, like cool, good guys. It was a fun game because my mom and them are from Arkansas and they're, yeah, they got on their blue and orange and all that. So it was cool. You said you'd never been to Florida before, before you came here. Right. And you obviously you spent a lot of time in Arkansas. <laughs> when we talked a year ago, I think that the weather you you were you were yeah. still, you were still struggling to to come to terms <laughs> with the sun on Christmas uh-huh. and no snow. Have you gotten used to being down here yet? And is this somewhere you want to be in the future? Yeah, I like if I could like set up shop somewhere in Florida, I'd do it because Arkansas. I'm not with the you know 28 degree weather <laughs> and because I I had to deal with that when I was uh, in JUCO. Like because one time, one time they canceled school because it was like I think it was like five degrees and it was they was like hazardous weather because it was so cold that they just <laughs> they just canceled class five degrees, wow. <laughs> yeah and being out here like it's cool and it's not because sometimes in arkansas it'll be 71 day the next day it'll be like 40 or 30 then mm-hmm. you know you walk around sick and all that type of stuff <laughs> so all right just you know leave that there just makes life more difficult. yeah <laughs> Who need, no, one needs that. no one needs that when you look at what you've accomplished here what do you feel like is left for you to do um, I think, you know, make a good tournament run, like in the SEC and NCAA. I think, uh, I think out of everything, like, I guess I've done so far is just, you know, continue to be the same, you know, person that I am and just keep doing the same things with my team and, and keep trying to collect wins. When you think about your two years here, what stands out in terms of individual moments, games? Is there anything that you've sort of stored and, and you think back on when you, you look on your time here? Mm, like you're talking about like just individual, I guess, performances that I had? Yeah, or, or, or a game or a team um, win that felt particularly impactful. Mm. I know last year, you know, us winning against West Virginia was, was great. Like I'm always remember that. And um, beating Kentucky this year at home. Mm. And I think that the two team wins, those would be like the wins that I always remember. And uh, I guess, you know, one of my favorite probably individual performances that I had was probably this year against Tennessee. I didn't feel like I was controlling myself. Like, I feel like I was, like, in a video game and somebody else was making all the shots and mm-hmm. <laughs> all that. <laughs> Kept hitting the X button. Right, yeah. <laughs> so why were the, the West Virginia and Kentucky? I mean, what made those so special for you? Um, I know, like, the West Virginia, because at the time, they, I, think they were, I think they were number nine, I think. When we they were, yeah, year. top ten for sure. Um, but who's just, keeping track, right? Right, yeah, but, like, just us, you know, beating a top-10 team and us not being ranked at all, like, even, like, thought about to be in the top 25 and just, you know, coming together collectively to, you know, protect our our home and beating them. Because, you know, they were a great team, and that's to, you know, pull out that win. That was a pretty good moment. And then, I guess with Kentucky, you know, not not too many people have said, hey, um, when I was in college, I, I won against Kentucky mm-hmm. by 20, you know, and – 22. Yeah. So Don't that, take you know, eight points away. Then. You probably scored them. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> that's, like, something, like, a lot of people in college basketball, we, you know, would never be able to say because, like, 
for some, you know, it's, it's Kentucky, so everybody, are, either they want to be with them or they want to, you know, they want to, you know, say mm-hmm. they want to beat them. And then that's being able to say, you know, come together and beat them at home. It was pretty good. We talked to Devin a few weeks ago. He specifically talked about leaving a legacy and how important mm-hmm. that was to him. And that meant winning. And that meant right. getting Florida basketball right. back where it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. It was Scotty Wilbick and Patrick yep. Young, all those guys. How important has this season been as a result in your senior year to get Florida basketball back on that national stage, uh-huh. ranked in the top 15, top 10, and that kind of conversation? Uh, it's been pretty important because, you know, Florida is not known to, you know, not be in those pictures. Mm-hmm. And then with uh, with it being the new staff second year and us, like, making a big turnaround, like, right the next year he's here, mm-hmm. it's good for him and the school because it shows, like, that the people that they uh, invested in are, are, you know, are good and they know what they're doing as a, like as a staff. And getting Florida back on track, you know, known for winning and being a good program, it's something, you know, because I think, like, like once I leave here, I'll be able to say I, I left Florida on, on a winning, you know, scale. Mm-hmm. Compared this year to last year, it's way, way, way better. And I'll, I'll be able to say, hey, I left University of Florida, you know, Plus twenty wins, a winning season, more than likely, you know, top top twenty five ranking. So, compared to like, I guess what was it? I, I want to say after two bad seasons and leaving on a winning scale is like what everybody wants to do, you know. So you really want to be like, I guess necessarily like forgot about people. Be like, yeah, I, I remember those guys when they, you know, they got Florida back where it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Every season has its share of adversity, and this mm-hmm. one struck with the Johnny Boone right. news a few weeks ago. Can you take us through your reaction when that happened for you personally uh-huh. and then with your teammates and sort of how yeah. you guys process that? Um, it took us a minute, like, because we, we sat in the, um, in the film room and uh, Coach White told us and, like, staff left and we kind of just, like, nobody expected it to be like that. Like, everybody was like, you know, maybe he just, like, did something but not that. Mm-hmm. And, like, it took anybody, it took us, like, probably, like, 10, 15 minutes before anybody, like, even said anything. Like, because it was, like, just, Everybody was just sitting like in awe. They didn't. Know, we didn't know what to say, and like we just got up, you know, conjoined as a team. It was like you know everybody's roles. We got to step our own roles up now because you know John. Obviously, John is a big, big piece of the puzzle, and we just you know collectively just said we had to step our roles up, and you know we uh you know picked John up through the moment, and you know said a prayer, and just we went we went from there. Where do you feel like your role is in replacing that? And how, um, have, how have you sort of grown over this stretch here, learning mm-hmm. how your role changes with John not available? Like with John not being available, sometimes it depending on like foul trouble. Sometimes I have to, I have to play the five now. Mm-hmm. And, and with me guarding the fives, like I have to, I guess, you know, just hold my own. <laughs> it's pretty hard because, you know, the fives are <laughs> way, yeah, way bigger <laughs> than me. But it's, you know, it's something that, you know, I have to do. So, and with that, it's just pretty tough, but I, I feel like with me, I guess, you know, coming in and doing that, mostly, like, mostly playing a four-all season and being able to, you know, guard five at times, I think I'm doing a pretty good job, and that's just something that I always have to know that, like, without with John here, I'll have to do. We can't let you go without getting an update on your art I, career. Yeah. I mean, that was a big surprise. Yeah, you talked yeah. about that last year. I did not see that coming. Uh-huh. So I'm curious, did you know that Eric Hester – is also himself like, an amateur artist. And have you I guys compared work? I didn't. Uh, I didn't figure. Matter of fact, speaking of that, I didn't figure that out probably to like two or three weeks ago. That's it. Yeah, I think that's when we uncovered it <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. So we, uh, we broke I didn't, news. I didn't here. figure that out. Um, 
Yeah, about yeah, about. I think I think he said something about it in the locker room to me, like too, because he he came up to me like I didn't know that you was like you can draw, you did all that. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it's pretty cool, you know, to find out somebody else on the team. Like you know, I have things in common, like off the court with him. So you told us last year about your self portrait right. you did that you were really yeah. proud of. What, what have you worked on lately? What um, projects have gotten your your interest? Ah, uh, like lately. I haven't been. I still like haven't been able to, you know, find time to work on it. But like, I like had a pair of Vans, and mm-hmm. I like borrowed this like paint stuff for like shoes. And I like, <laughs> and I turned them into like, I guess you say like an atmosphere. Like you know, like you know how it looks in space. Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. I like turned the shoe. I like, turned the shoe. Yeah. And <laughs> Wait, sorry, are you are you painting now? Yeah. I, I mean, like I do that like wow. just for fun. Like I, if I could. I like go sit down somewhere and like take a painting class and see like just 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 to see like where where my skills would be at mm-hmm. at painting. <laughs> so okay, I guess the the natural question is where does that take you in the future? Let's say the last game is done here. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if you plan to immediately you know <laughs> right uh-huh. go take your art on the road, but what what are the next steps for Justin Leon once this particular road is done? Um, like just in general, like just with in my general, um, yeah. if I could pursue you know keep playing basketball somewhere, I definitely you know. I definitely look into it, and I guess you say like if if that doesn't turn out to be you know what I want it to be, I'll probably just you know find something to do you know that has to do with my sociology degree because I I'll be graduating this spring. So if that if basketball doesn't turn out, I'll just I guess you say I'll just you know see what's going on out there, set up set up shop, and probably you know work on some more art stuff. Mm-hmm. You know maybe maybe try to blow up in that or something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but like, if I can, you know, continue basketball, I definitely will. What What about sociology drew your interest? What What got you into that? Um, I don't know. Like, I guess you can say at the same time, even though I'm quiet, I'm, I'm a people person. Like, I always want to. I feel like I know, you know, I'm able to like help a lot of people and figure out what's wrong with people, and like, I guess give them reasons why someone is acting like this and why mm-hmm. somebody's doing that. And I, I think I got a pretty good, just out of nowhere, I got a pretty good knack for doing things like that. And I guess, you know, that may have been the best feel for me. Well, we hope you're successful wherever you, you go. Thank you very much for your time. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. As tournament play begins, teams have little time to reflect on the regular seasons that they put together. Luckily for us, we've got Chris Harry to give some perspective on Florida's phenomenal run to this point, and we asked him to put a bow on the regular season. Oh, boy. Well, it's a... It's a nice gift to be unwrapping, I would think. I mean, considering Florida has not been in the NCAA tournament, Adam, obviously since the 2014 season. Um, obviously, Billy Diamond's last season was, was frustrating, and of course it was and, and heartbreaking. And also with him leaving to go to the Oklahoma City Thunder two years ago. Last year, Florida at one point, I believe, was 15-8 and eight and looked pretty good for an NCAA tournament run at large berth. But lost four games down the stretch, but this team took the drama out of it rather quickly. I mean, rushing to uh, to go 24-7 and seven, um, in this league, I don't think anybody going in the season, not, not a lot of people would have expected that. Granted, the Gators were picked to finish uh, second in the conference. I think the prevailing thought was Kentucky was going to run away with it. They end up winning by two games, but, uh, you know, Mike White named this week SEC Coach of the Year, deservedly so. Last year's team was 21 and 15, but only won 19 regular season games, so he makes that improvement. Uh, he has a chance to to win more games. If he can win two more games, he could be the first coach not at Kentucky in SEC history to win as many as 47 games his first two seasons, wow. which is pretty impressive. So he certainly deserves deserve that accolade. When you also go back and look at Florida, got off to a strong start, responded to some uh, midseason adversity, 
responded to the injury to John Igbunu. I'm sure they would have liked to have won their last game at Vanderbilt and uh, maybe just to kind of avenge the midseason loss that they had to the Commodores. But all in all, if you look at what happened with this season, you're talking about 24 wins, you're talking about 14 SEC wins. You have the coach of the year, you have a first-team all-conference player and Kayvon Allen, sixth man of the year in Canyonbury, Gator basketball, back to the kind of the place that uh, Florida fans were used to uh, when Billy Don was walking the sidelines. And kudos to Mike White for getting them there uh, on a pretty quick path, actually. When you look back over the season, I mean, what do you think was the key to the turnaround? You mentioned last year compared to this year, and that's obviously where the accolades are coming from, especially for Mike White. What do you on the whole attribute this turnaround to? You saw something, and players and the coaches both talked about it going into the year. I mean, whereas last year, and I, I'm not pointing a finger at Dorian Finney-Smith. I'm just saying last year you had a focal point player, a star player uh, in Dorian Finney-Smith, and he kind of saw – as the Gators were trying to figure stuff out, how to play under their fir- under this coach in his first year and how he was trying to coach him the first year, I think he, he kind of saw guys looking to Dorian Finney-Smith in situations, late clock situations, be it late game situations. And this team is more across the board balanced. Uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned any number of times about how during that, I believe it was uh, at one point they'd won eight games in a row and had seven different players as the leading scorer. So it's not one guy. Um, they figured that out. They figured out that they needed to be a, a more unselfish team. They needed to be a defense-first team, which I think is at the top of everything. This team really really needs to play great defense to play really good offense because they're not a great offensive team just as is. They need great defense to transition into offensive opportunities. They didn't get that per se at Vanderbilt. Uh, in either game, that's Vanderbilt. That's why they lost to Vanderbilt. But that's where it all starts with this team, Adam. And again, I think I mentioned before the, the adversity during season losing Johnny Bunu to the injury. I think the fact that they were able to, you know, weather that and still finish strong and find pieces and find ways to uh, to chip in and, and replace them collectively versus one guy, because Kavaris Hayes wasn't going to be able to do that by himself. Um, but now they got to figure out how to do that, you know, heading into the postseason. But I mean, the fact we're having a postseason conversation. Uh, is uh, is obviously the, the one thing everybody looks forward to going in the year. If you're a basketball fan, you want to be talking about in midseason where you think you're going to be seated. And, mm-hmm. and since December, since Florida had its very high RPI from not playing any home games, so every, I think it was pretty obvious that the Gators were headed to the postseason they want to go to, the NSA tournament. So they've done very, very well. They've positioned themselves. Uh, don't know where that seed is going to be, but um, going into the SEC tournament, they can either – improve their seed. I think right now they're uh, maybe a three and a half, a four, wherever you want to put them right there. Got a good chance to be in Orlando, but I think they need to hold their seed in the SEC tournament, that number two seed, in the, win that first game, get to the semifinals to kind of secure uh, the place where they need to be going in the NCAA tournament. You mentioned the loss of Igbunu and the team continuing to adjust to that. I thought it was interesting what Mike White said specifically about that that this week was going to be really important because they've been playing so many games and they haven't had a chance to really sit back and figure out what can they do on a macro level to help replace Johnny Bunu in the postseason. How important is this week for the team and the staff trying to iron that out a little bit further? Well, you get to spend a little more time together because it's spring break, so there's no hour restriction. So it's not that the coaches haven't thought about that, but, I mean, let's face it, you can't add players in the season. So uh, what they have been able to do, and I think we talked about it last week, they know they can get something from Keystone at the five position. Mm -hmm. They got something from him against Vanderbilt. They got something from him against Arkansas. Um, and it, that was missing for a good five, six weeks while he was dealing with that viral illness that causes vertigo symptoms. 
they know they can throw uh, Gorjak Gak out there uh, and for nothing else to, to bang around and, and get five fouls out of him. You know, they didn't even use him at Vanderbilt. Uh, but they know that if in a pinch, you know, they can rely on him to get out there and do something. But, uh, again, it, I don't know that there's a magical answer to it. The common denominator is you need Cavarius Hayes to play well. You need him to stay out of foul trouble. And in, you need him to play better than he did against Vanderbilt. He only played 10 minutes. It wasn't a game, especially with 7-1 Luke Cornett out there, um, who can go inside and out. Cavarius is undersized to play a 7-1 guy who's going to post him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also, uh, when a guy's playing on the perimeter, he's got to be a little bit more disciplined chasing guys out there on the perimeter. And Luke Cornett is the greatest three-point shooter for a 7-footer in NCAA history. So uh, it's a tough challenge for him. Uh, but there's a good chance he may get that challenge again. And the Gators now have the next few days to figure out maybe not how to get the most out of Igbunu. They had to figure out how to just win the next game at him. And uh, that's going to be a collective effort versus uh, something for just one guy. Going into the postseason, having dropped two of the last three, after all the success that Florida enjoyed before that, where do you think this team is right now in that sense? Are they, are they in a good place or do they need to work some things out from those losses? Well, one of those losses was at Kentucky. You know, that's a, <laughs> happens to most teams that go into Rupp Arena. But uh, Florida's not a perfect team. They know that. I'll tell you one thing they need to do is turn the ball over less. They had, I think, nine turnovers uh, in the first half of the game the other day and put themselves in a difficult position. They, they At one point, I think, um, and I'm working off the top of my head here, Adam, but <laughs> I believe it was in the, the one stretch, a four-minute stretch in the last seven minutes, I think they missed five straight shots and turned the ball over four times. So mistakes like that got to work to eliminate eliminate those. They had a 12 point lead at Vanderbilt, let that slip away. That was a really Mike White talks about opportunities. That that was a great opportunity to win a 25th game and to really solidify your position relative to seeding and what have you. And winning in a tough place. Gators have lost four last five now at uh, Nashville. But again, yes, it would have been a good little momentum push, but. In a big picture, what will it really mean uh, having either won that game or lost that game when they take the court on Friday night in those corner finals of the SEC? And if, if they happen to be facing Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt has to – Vanderbilt, Texas A&M play in the Thursday uh, second-round matchup. Maybe it would have given them some confidence for that. But I think Florida knows they're good enough to beat Vanderbilt. They just have to execute the plan that's in front of them. They didn't do it in the first time they played them, and they did it, unfortunately, for uh, – all but about the last eight minutes of the game they played uh, Saturday in Nashville. They need to finish the game. Lots to go here in the postseason, Chris. We look forward to talking again soon. Thank you so much. All right, Adam, thanks. College athletics can be a high-stakes business, and that reality became apparent this week with the news that Amanda Butler would not be returning as the head coach of the women's basketball team. It's the biggest move that Scott Strickland has made in his short time as Florida's AD, and we spoke with Scott Carter shortly after the decision was announced to get some perspective on what it means for the future of the program. Yeah, the uh, Gators have made a change, obviously, uh, with head coach Amanda Butler, uh, who's directed the program for 10 years. And, uh, you know, it was a a tenure that was kind of defined by a a lot of ups and downs. I mean, uh, you saw a lot of that as a, as a broadcaster, but, mm-hmm. you know, she started off really well, a former player here under Carol Ross, a former assistant coach. And, uh, you know, it was a big deal when uh, she came back to the program in 2007 to uh, take over. And uh, it got off to a good start right away. Her second season, they went 24 and 8 and went to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it's a program that has obviously been in the shadows in the SEC behind Tennessee, and uh, which everyone has in fairness. But the hope was that, you know, when 
she got here, you got to remember the vibe around the UF athletic department at the time. In 2007, the the men's program had just won back-to-back titles. The uh, football team was uh, just had won uh, their first of uh, two titles in three years on the Urban Meyer. So uh, they're riding a wave of momentum, and they hope that continue with women's basketball. And as I said earlier, it started off well, but in recent years, things have kind of dipped, and they haven't made the tournament in two of the last three years or the postseason. And uh, I think uh, new athletic director Scott Strickland, obviously, anytime you uh, take over a department like Florida and you see the success across the board of other programs, I'm sure he took a look at the women's basketball program and they finished 15 and 16 this year, uh, lost a key player at midseason. And you got to remember, this was a team that was ranked in the top 25 to start the season. First time that had happened in 15 years and they climbed as high as number 16, but it sure feels like a, a long way away today, and uh, they'll go forward and see uh, what happens there. What's the directive from Scott Strickland as far as what they're looking for? That's always the question when you make a change. What's next, and what, what do you gather from the new AD as far as what direction that's going to be? Well, you know, it's so early that obviously we're still trying to find that out yet. Um, but at the same time, you don't have to look far to uh, see his impact in hiring a coach uh, at Mississippi State, uh, you know, he hired Vic Schaefer back in 2012 to take over the program, and he was named SEC Coach of the Year in 2015. Mississippi State has uh, put together, what, they're going to the NCAA tournament for the third year in a row, and he's got a really good program going right now. Uh, he's the kind of coach that obviously knows the X's and O's, but as you know, in women's basketball, you also need a salesman to continually get people in the seat, to get people mm-hmm. enthused about the sport. Uh, and when you're winning, that obviously helps. But I think more than anybody, as Pat Summit proved at Tennessee, I mean, you can't win it every year. But she was always doing something out there to build interest in the program and to keep it kind of in the mainstream. And, and I think that's something that Schaefer seems to have done well out there at Mississippi State. And we'll see if that's the kind of person he looks to here at Florida. It's always tough sometimes to separate a player and a former athlete from their school, especially when they become the head coach. But, you know, these things do happen. It doesn't change what Amanda Butler did for this program as a player and will continue to do as an alumni. And I think that that is important, Scott, to to make that distinction. Yeah, it is, Adam. I mean, you know, she is a beloved uh, figure in the women's basketball program here, Uh, a great player from uh, 90 to 94. You got to remember she was part of the group that led Florida to its first ever NCAA tournament first in, uh, what, 1993. And then they went back again her senior year. And, uh, you know, Amanda, it's not hard to uh, see her passion for the mm-hmm. university, the program, no just question. in the way, you know, she carries herself. And uh, I'm sure it's a difficult time for her. But, you know, once everything clears, I mean, she's going to be um, she's going to be remembered for a lot of the things that she did here at Florida and uh, you know, wish her the best. And, you know, she's still young enough. You know, I would expect her to, to get another coaching gig somewhere at some point. But she certainly uh, will always have a place uh, in Gator Nation. A lot of good people as part of that staff. And certainly we wish all of them very well. Uh, Scott, difficult time, I know, to talk about this, but we appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Adam. And that's going to do it for this week's show. If you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to Gator Tales on the podcast app of your choice, and please leave a review to help us continue to grow. Check out the men's basketball squad this week and is built to make noise in Music City and come back here next week as we get you ready for the NCAA tournament. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in Nashville.